life was kind of like hell, but uh, you know, didn't realize the value of uh, things when you tend to lose someone as close as your mother. Uh, you know, it, it makes you think a lot uh, why are we living and how, how we can make uh, others' lives easier and how we can help, uh, you know, the community at large and be a good human being, uh, be someone of uh, assistance and do our bit basically as a human being. So uh, that that's the time that I really realized uh, that and uh, that's when I thought, you know, let me do whatever I can to help uh, anyone out there. The following is a conversation with Shihan Sheriff. Shihan Sheriff is an Amazon best-selling author and the CFO of Asanho, one of Dubai's largest diversified global investment firms. He is also the VP of Finance of an Asanho subsidiary called Nomode, a Y Combinator-backed payments processing company and a partner platform for Stripe. And with more than 18 years of finance and accounting experience, his diverse cross-cultural industry experiences and other educational qualifications really make him unique among other senior finance professionals. That being said, Shihan has overcome many challenges during his life, and each of these challenges helped him excel in his career given his positive attitude despite his less favorable economic environments. Here's his story. Shihan, I appreciate you coming on the show all the way from Dubai, my man. How are you doing? All good, thanks. Uh, happy New Year to you and to all the listeners, uh, Daniel. I hope you're doing well. I appreciate it. It's real dedication to go on a show at this late in time, especially from where you're located. So I definitely commend you for that. But uh, Shihan, you're basically, at least in my estimation, a financial wizard. You know a ton about accounting and finance and have a ton of career accomplishments. But you know, with it being the sign of the times, I think this will be a really interesting first question to ask. Uh, so you have a dual MBA and you're actually currently obtaining your doctorate um, in your professional or in your student opinion. Do you think it's necessary or school is necessary these days to get a good financial education? Financial education is definitely uh, an important area for anyone and everyone to learn, uh, irrespective of your area of expertise or skill. Uh, why? Because, you know, even in your personal lives, you'll be dealing with money uh, a lot and uh, there are a lot of examples around the world of individuals have, you know, have, uh, have not been able to achieve whatever their aspirations due to, due to the lack of knowledge in finance and accounting. And uh, also in a business context, uh, you know, even if you're not a part of the finance team, it, it, it can give you a lot of competitive advantage in terms of having the basic knowledge of finance and accounting. Mm-hmm. You know, just to give you an example, let's say if you're uh, in the world of marketing, uh, for example, if you have some basic knowledge of finance and accounting, you'll be able to calculate metrics like, you know, the advertising spend effectiveness, uh, and in terms of your campaigns, you'll be able to figure out which are the most uh, feasible uh, campaigns and so on. So, uh, definitely, finance and accounting is an area and a must that each and everyone uh, needs to have at least the basic understanding of. Doesn't need to be a pro or 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 a professional in any of these areas, but at least the basics is a must. Got it. So it sounds like it's not something that you have to go to school for, but at least to pursue some kind of self education, so you have a basis or a foundation in these topics to help out in your career. Does that sound right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Awesome. You know, on the note of education, uh, you're actually on a few other podcasts, specifically the Chris Voss Show, uh, and you know you've accomplished a lot in your career in the area of finance and accounting. Uh, but you also mentioned on a show that you struggled early on. Why was that? Yeah, so I missed a few lessons. I was ill during that period of school. I think it was in the first term in which I was taking the subject of commerce. 
and it was a new subject uh, in that particular year uh, in college. And uh, unfortunately, I was ill, so I missed those lessons and I lost the basics. Uh, so when it comes to finance and accounting, if you don't know the basics, you know, everything else seems like deep after that. And that's yeah. exactly what happened to me, unfortunately. But looking back, probably that's a good thing as well because I ended up diving into uh, those basics again and again until I really understood those concepts and the basics and that really was the foundation to who I am today. So uh, yes, it was a struggle at the initial stage, but uh, fortunately I was able to figure it out and then come back uh, right in, uh, come back into the correct path. You know, thinking back to when you struggled and you were kind of having trouble with it and you just mentioned, you know, when you're learning a new topic, everything is like Greek. Um, unless you're actually Greek. Um, but during that struggle, did you ever think about switching career paths or kind of switching what you thought you were going to do with your life? Or did you always know you wanted to do something with uh, finance and numbers? Yeah, it was really frustrating. And I kind of see the situation with a number of professionals, uh, you know, today with not being able to know uh, the basics of finance and accounting and how they feel. So it, that's exactly how I felt uh, back then. Unless I was indeed considering changing my subject as well at one point. But luckily, I found a great teacher, uh, a private tutor, who I uh, went to, and she basically taught me from the basics, and that really changed uh, things afterwards. Uh, but it doesn't happen to everyone. Uh, I was yeah. fortunate that it happened to me that way, and not everyone, you know, learns it even subsequently. Some give up at that early stage, and you know, sometimes it's it's better not to give up, keep fighting, keep learning, and then you know, make this happy on the other side. That's what happened to me. For sure. And beautiful that you were able to keep going. Uh, on a slightly different note, you know, in another lifetime, say, if you just kind of threw the accounting book against the wall, what else do you think you would have been in another lifetime? Uh, different stages in my uh, uh, studies and uh, career, you know, I mean, sorry, before my career, I, I was thinking of being a doctor at one point. Oh, cool. At one point, I was an engineer. So, uh, <laughs> kind of diverse uh, set of professions. Mm -hmm. And thinking back, I was very good at maths in college, so uh, I was thinking of being an engineer because of that. Uh, doctor, probably mm -hmm. at the early stage, and then later on, I just kind of gave up that idea, given the dedication and commitment that's needed, and it's it's not an easy job, so hats off to all the doctors and the healthcare professionals for that. But uh, yeah, I didn't feel that uh, being a doctor was, was a great idea later on, but engineering was, was a really strong uh, area that I was thinking of. Uh, and when it came to my advanced level subjects, it was between commerce and mathematics. So that, mm -hmm. that's where the choice was. And uh, I kept changing my decision time to time within a few days. And then I finally made my mind up that, you know, let me go with accounting, uh, economics, and business studies as my subjects for my advanced level exams. And uh, looking back, it was a great decision because I achieved some really good results. I was selected to the university back in Sri Lanka. So yeah, it's good that it all kind of I mean, look, you know, I'm happy that it all worked out, but you know, another yeah. lifetime, there's a lot of parallels between these roles and in, in finance, you're balancing finance, you're balancing financial statements as a doctor, you're balancing organs, you know, and, and a bunch of other things. So as long as you figured out that area of, of balancing, I'm sure you would have been successful in wherever, but great to hear that that worked out, uh, you know, similar to what we were discussing, you talk or you like to think of the CFO position as a, not a job, but a passion. Where do you think that passion originally comes from? It's, it's the interest. I mean, it's very really hard to explain that, but uh, 
so like, like there's a famous quote goes success is not the key to happiness and happiness is the key to success <laughs> so if you love some if you love what you are doing basically you'll be successful so uh, you know being happy and being successful has uh, it's it's like a cycle so if you're not happy you're not successful if you're not successful you're not happy so uh, it's it's basically that so some some small ways you know i if I do something, I, I really need to like it. And if not, I don't enjoy it and I don't do it. Uh, that's how it's been uh, at any of my jobs. When I, whenever I started, like, when I started my career back in Sri Lanka at John Keels, uh, you know, it was really passionate of my job. And when I came to Dubai, as well, I started off with real estate firm. I was really, I mean, even that it was a very challenging uh, because it was a new country, new job. And also the comments for about one year wasn't prepared. I had to start from it from the beginning and I was handling it slowly. So very challenges, but still I enjoy doing it. And uh, but with this job, a lot of challenges, a lot of changes. Throughout this sixteen years that I've been with this group, uh, you know, it's it's been it's been a really interesting ride. And I've uh, myself, I, I try to pass this on to the rest of my team. I try to make the team happy as well, even though the work is quite challenging. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's how I generally go about things. It's cool, you know, that you're able to pursue a career and what makes you happy. And I love the quote that you said earlier, because I think it represents what a lot of people, especially have twisted these days. Uh, you said that um, success doesn't bring you happiness, but happiness brings you success. And I think a lot of times people chase that success at the cost of, uh, at the cost of being happy. When realistically, if they're just, you know, do what makes them happy, and that doesn't mean it's easy, it's definitely very hard, but you do what makes them happy, and then in the long run, things work out. So uh, I commend you for that quote, and I think, you know, a lot of people are worried about societal bounds or societal issues or societal expectations, and that's why maybe they, they fear chasing that happiness. Uh, but I think the metaphor here is to really get over that fear and go with your gut, and you'll be amazed with what happens. So, you know, I love that quote, uh, and we'll get to kind of some of the stuff that you're up to in one second. Um, but speaking of your career, you have some diverse cross-cultural inter- industry experiences. You know, what do you think some of the most memorable ones were? Memorable ones were. Yeah, in fact, yes, so many different uh, industries. Uh, starting back from Sri Lanka, where, where I did my work, worked uh, or started off my career, it was into hotel management. And uh, when you think about hotel hotel accounting, it's one of the most sophisticated and advanced types of accounting. It's probably insane now that I think about it. There's like so many different aspects of a hotel, so many different vendors. Like I can't imagine now that I'm thinking about it. Preparing the budgets alone was like a nightmare because you had so many different two operators and the occupancy mixers were very different. You need to calculate the just occupancy calculation alone is very complex. But I think that laid the foundation during my career. Uh, so that was the starting point. When I, then when I moved to Dubai, it was uh, all about uh, real estate brokerage. Uh, at the time, uh, you know, in 2008, uh, it was kind of the peak, and then the recession happened towards the end of 2008 here in Dubai. So I saw the peak and and, and the recession both in the same year. And then subsequently, when I moved to uh, Isan to the Isan group, uh, started off doing a diverse set of businesses into precious metals trading. General trading experience. Uh, subsequently, we operated the third largest e-commerce provider in the region uh, before we sold it out. Then now in the payment systems, uh, which we operate as normal. 
Uh, we also have a, a fulfillment solution. So we've got good experience in terms of warehousing and logistics, mm -hmm. investments in terms of public equity, private equity, uh, joint venture investments. And side, we've also evaluated a number of different businesses during this period uh, in which we've also invested in a small scale. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been a diverse set of industries and businesses, but all in all, you know, there are a lot of common things in terms of the accounting, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of how the accounting is done. And it all showed me that accounting and finance is really important. And what I also understood by interacting with a number of business owners, entrepreneurs, and even managers is that most businesses don't take finance and accounting seriously, or at least even business owners don't uh, as frequently as they should. So they don't have a clear idea in terms of what the business is achieving, in terms of performance, how they're doing, what their cash balance, uh, cash and bank balances are, you know, what the future holds and things like that. So things, uh, things could be improved, you know, if the business owners and uh, managers have a better idea of that. So uh, yeah, in terms of the experience answering your question, that was about it. You know, it's a really interesting that you got a chance to kind of interact and, you know, speak with a lot of different individuals throughout your career. Uh, but on one of the things that you just said, do you think that most people that start businesses come from kind of a business background or are they, you know, a variety of backgrounds and they just happen to not have the financial knowledge that they should? Uh, it's a mix actually. So most difficult to the world. Uh, so from the statistics, around 90% of all businesses are small to medium sized businesses. Mm -hmm. That's the statistic that's generally quoted by the World Bank uh, and so on. But it varies country to country, of course. But if you look at the profiles of these of this small to medium-sized businesses in particular, of the business owners in particular, yes, they come from very diverse set of backgrounds. But majority of them, vast majority of them, are non-finance, non-accounting uh, individuals. They're just they're probably good salesmen, uh, good marketers. Good public speakers, probably in some of them. So that's how they convince and persuade people to buy uh, their products and services. But the most, vast majority of them are non-financed, non-accounting uh, background people. And actually, from the people I've interacted with over the years, I've, I can't recall a single person who's been an entrepreneur who's great in numbers and so on. Mm -hmm. God, did anybody know kind of what the three financial statements were, or most people just kind of relied on the income statement uh, to tell them everything? Yeah, majority, vast majority of them know just the income statement. Some of them know just the income statement and the balance sheet, but definitely mm -hmm. of anyone talking about the cash flow statement. Yeah, the cash flow statement is uh, probably one of the more interesting topics in accounting, which is <laughs> at least from what I remember in my, my career, but definitely something that's really relevant and, you know, awesome that you kind of were able to get that experience and help people out with that. And interesting to hear about some of the takeaways you have regarding a lot of the people that you've worked with. Uh, but on another note, back to kind of your career, I know that early on you had some challenges just kind of, you know, advancing and, you know, trying to, to get into school and to really pursue your passions. You know, what were some of those challenges? In terms of challenges, I was the eldest in the family of three. I have a younger sister and a brother. And uh, back then, uh, you know, yes, finance was was the main challenge at the time. Uh, we didn't have our own house at one point. Uh, it was only later that we purchased our own house, so we were at a rented house uh, for majority of the time. And uh, 
yeah, I was luckily fortunate enough to go to the best school in Sri Lanka, which was Royal College. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really helped me despite all the challenges that we, as a person, as a family, faced, uh, you know, thanks to my mom and dad. Uh, you know, I, I, that education really helped me. So, challenge uh, was will be there, not only for me, for anyone who is listening. Of course, as human beings, we all face different kinds of challenges, whether it's finance, economic, uh, you know, family, uh, emotional. You know, all these kind of challenges are part of life, but challenges are the ones that actually bring the best out of us. Uh, you know, uh, so. So yeah, if if not for for the challenges, you sometimes you lose that motivation as well. So, I think looking back, uh, I think challenges were there, of course, but I think each of these challenges really shaped me to the person who I am today. Thankfully, got it. It's awesome that you're able to look at them that way. I know certainly, you know, no two challenges. At least, you know, I like to think uh, people deal with different challenges and it can be tough to keep a positive attitude, but. You know, it's great that you just kind of took it for what it was and, you know, really made the most of your circumstances and definitely uh, commend you for that. Um, and one of the things that you were able to achieve is you're actually the, the CFO of a big investment firm called Asanjo. You know, in your CFO role, kind of what responsibilities do you have there? The accounting function is on me. So basically to ensure that the bookkeeping piece and the accounting of each of these entities, we've got more than about 15 entities. That each of these entities are properly accounted for. Uh, financial statements are updated as of the, the month, and the accounts are completed probably within uh, within the first few days of the following month. The reports are updated. Uh, you know the key metrics uh, are ready to be uh, analyzed uh, and then presented during the weekly. Uh, we have a weekly investment and uh, we have a weekly investment committee meeting in which uh, we discuss uh, certain reports and numbers. And also on the second week of uh, the following month, we discussed the prior month's performance. So a lot of challenges in terms of uh, managing, plus I've got a team to manage. And thankfully, there are some uh, very skilled, highly experienced, and uh, it's easy to manage them. But in terms of the work, it's challenging because a lot of things keep changing all the time. And We've got a diverse set of businesses as well, so it's it's not just one company, one business. No, it, that's not the case. We've got a set of diverse set of businesses. So each of these businesses have their own set of challenges, as you'd imagine, uh, and each day is a different day with, with, with different things to be done. And we need to manage the cash flows. We need to look at the investments, the yields that it brings, uh, and a lot of decisions to be made on the day. Uh, of course, these decisions are made collectively. Mm-hmm. But, but there are a lot of things to be done, yes. But uh, but I love my work. Uh, like I said, I'm happy. And uh, that's probably the reason that I've stayed with the group for the last uh, 16 years now. Uh, it's beautiful to love what you do for sure. So if there's, you know, God forbid, if the balance sheet doesn't balance, are you the one uh, who they go to? Absolutely, yeah. Got it. Well, we'll have to make sure uh, those assets equal those uh, liabilities and shareholders' equity. So glad we have a professional in making sure uh, everything is balanced. But really cool that you're able to kind of undertake that role. Um, yes. Another interesting. You sound more like an accountant. Yeah. In another lifetime, I wanted to be an investment banker, but that, that could be a whole podcast episode in itself. So, uh, for better or for worse, I have you know, a basic proficiency in, in all of this stuff and accounting evaluation. So, I'll, we'll leave it at that. But 
you know, in your role, a subsidiary of uh, Asanjo is No Mode, which is, I think is a really cool company. It's a payment processing company. And uh, you happen to be the VP of finance for that company as well. Um, just out of curiosity, you know, there's a lot of payment processing companies out there. How does No Mode, if I'm pronouncing that right, kind of differentiate itself from a lot of its competitors? Yeah, it's right. It's No Mode. Uh, and how we differentiate ourselves is, uh, yeah, we're probably not the largest uh, on the planet, but we're going at a very fast pace. Uh, and yeah, the, the, the growth is really encouraging. Now, how we differentiate ourselves is that, uh, you know, we provide settlements fast. We provide fast settlements. We keep improving our product. We have a dedicated engineering team who keeps working uh, on improvements from time to time. We, we run regular updates in terms of our app. And uh, we listen to our customers uh, who are merchants, basically, uh, in terms of the functionality that they want. So we recently introduced an embarrassing uh, feature, which most merchants love. And likewise, uh, we support a lot of payment uh, options in terms of cards. We cover most of them, if not all. And uh, also, it's that flexibility, the design, the UI, the interface itself is, is very easy to use, easy to navigate. Uh, we provide a set of reports for merchants, uh, which they can use to reconcile. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the, the most important thing is that we, uh, we serve our merchants well. We listen to them, we uh, support them. Whenever they have a query, we respond to them on a timely manner. And uh, all these metrics, by the way, are monitored and continuously improve them. So, you know, the moment you listen to a customer and you look to keep improving your product, there is no way that, uh, you know, a merchant would uh, leave you. And that's what's happening with Mobot. You know, our merchants are really happy. They keep using the product. The word of mouth is stronger than advertising. And that's sure. really evident during our business uh, growth. And we've grown like more than 100% year on year each year over the last two to three years. And it's even much more. I can't disclose the exact numbers, but, but we're growing at a really rapid pace. So I think you mentioned that you're the turnaround time usually from you know, payment to kind of the bank account, you said for uh, no mode is two days, right? That you said? Yeah, it's two days. So what's the industry average? Just curious. It varies. Uh, so it depends on what type of uh, payment it is, whether it's an in-person payment or whether it's an online payment and so on. So there are different, uh, there are different offerings, but again, the pricing varies. So it's a balance between that pricing and the speed. It's not just, if I mean, if you just look at the speed, uh, it could be different, but if we balance it between the pricing that we offer merchants and the speed, I think we, we do it really well when you compare it with uh, most of the providers out there. And you see these people improving as our volumes grow as we scale, it, things can only improve uh, in the future. Got it. Do you think there's ever going to be a processing platform out there that does, you know, almost instantaneous kind of a payout, or is there too many, you think, security loopholes? Or well, not security loopholes, but just security, uh, you know, checkpoints to get through before, you know, you know, payment can be processed to a bank account. If anyone, I could only imagine no more doing that. Uh, and Got it. Not bias, but, uh, but to be honest, I mean, from the experiences that I've had and seen, uh, because previously we also operated an e-commerce business, like I said, so we've interacted with a lot of payment providers out here. And as well as we've had several calls with international providers as well at different locations. So, yeah, I feel in the future, 
uh, could be offering this. Okay, interesting. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out on there, and that would definitely be a huge innovation and something that I think would certainly disrupt the payments industry and ever competitive payments industry. So great that you guys are able to stay competitive within that. You know, on a similar note, do you remember your craziest day of work? There are quite a few, actually. <laughs> I hope today's not one of them. Especially between finance and accounting, you know, the thing was wrong as is expected at times. Uh, things have changed a bit over the last few months or years, I guess, but but particularly in the first few years of my career, things have been failing. Like I've really worked late nights. I remember one particular day when you asked me this question that just came to mind. Where I worked till I think dark in the night and then had to come home, finish another report which was due for a meeting morning. And there was like a strict deadline, which was non-negotiable. So I, I, I think I stayed up at night till, uh, till morning. I just slept two hours and then just got back to work again. Uh, and then again, worked that night till late night. And normally, like, if you work, if you, if you do sleep for a day, you know, the next day becomes like a really long day, right? And, uh, yeah, it, it, it did happen to me, but thankfully I was able to pull it through and, uh, make any mistakes because sometimes when you're too sleepy you tend to make a lot of mistakes and uh, you know that affects you later on but thankfully nothing of that sort happened i worked uh worked fine and then finally caught up on sleep the following day it's, a, it's incredible you, you know i can imagine you uh, looking over the balance sheet and you know you see a 33 but you thought there was only one three and then everything doesn't balance and then you're like oh i didn't see the second one i saw <laughs> so two of the same numbers so you know, it can definitely uh, resonate with uh, with my, uh, you know, with with uh, having very long work days and in entrepreneurship. But sometimes, just you know, things you have to get through. Hopefully, you don't deal with it too often because it's not sustainable for sure. But uh, we 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 do what we can for sure. You know. Yeah, things have changed a lot. So now that I'm managing a bigger team, uh, things are uh, the responsibilities are allocated and it's it's clear and concise and deadlines are communicated really in advance. So there's kind of a Manager is what it used to be previously, so yeah, it's all good now. Got it. It's, uh, well, you know, thank you, Shahan, for being a great manager. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a manager, you also like to learn and acquire a lot of new skills. You know, as I've read, what are some of the skills that you like to acquire and, and learn about? I mean, I really love learning, so I always believe that you know, like Benjamin Franklin said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. So. I always believe in that. I always would believe in that. I've invested heavily in terms of myself, whether it's Tony Robbins events or doing as you will see, Brendan Bouchard, you know, any of these people I've, I've taken most of their courses. And if not, I purchased them and it's sitting there, you know, one day that I want to complete it. Uh, probably I've purchased maybe more than 500 courses without exaggeration, whether wow. it's from marketing, whether it's from soft skills development to personal development to, uh, you know, a uh, lot of different things, whether it's finance and accounting, whether it's uh, sales and marketing. So each of these skills, uh, uh, I've purchased different courses, I've completed more than 100 of them. Particularly, I got interested in uh, education back again during the COVID uh, period. Uh, mm. uh, for a few years, I had lost interest in education. Particularly after my first MBA, I didn't uh, invest in myself. Uh, yeah. And I was kind of lost with all the work, uh, focusing just on completing the tasks. But that really didn't take me anywhere. So the subsequent years, I started investing in myself. And that's when I really got uh, 
into the second one, which was into uh, artificial intelligence and data science, which you know everyone talks about today, uh, which was a good investment a few years ago. And then subsequently, I started doing a lot of short courses. So, but I think each of these courses have at least few things that it's given me, which I can, uh, which I've learned and continue mm -hmm. to learn. So I think it's a really important thing for anyone of any age, of any profession to do at least a few dollars, uh, invest in yourself and that return will be the biggest return in your life in terms of investments. I love the quote that you mentioned earlier. I'll have to steal that, uh, steal that one day. We love a good Ben Franklin quote. Um, but you know, incredible that you're dedicated to continuous learning and on the topic of learning, you're actually an author as well. And I saw a really cool LinkedIn post that you had uh, where your book was showcased at the world's fourth largest book expedition. Can you describe what that felt like or what was going through your mind when you saw your book there? Yeah, this was at the Sharjah International Book Exhibition and it was incredible. I mean, I, it's it's difficult to explain that feeling, but uh, it, it, it was something that anyone would dream of, you know, like seeing a prominent place at a prominent uh, exhibition and where a lot of visitors visited that particular stall, uh, and it was right opposite uh, some of the most prominent stalls and bookstores in the UAE. And uh, you know, just going about uh, at the exhibition center and seeing people look at your book was was really amazing. I mean, uh, no words can explain that feeling. Did you always think you'd want to be an author? Did you always know you wanted to be an author, or you know, yeah. it just, it's kind of happened? Not at all, actually. I never used to read a book. Even like when it was really required for my education, I never liked reading it. In fact, a lot of people that I completed were both as fiction and fiction, other than the school required studies. And even in studies, I was not very good until it was really required, and luckily, I peaked at the correct time. But in terms of being an author, no, never, never, never dreamt of, never expected. Interesting to see how life takes its turns for sure, but cool that you were able to do that. Um, you know, back on the topic of your career, and we've discussed a lot about how you've accomplished a lot and, you know, are still, you know, it's not easy, but you really love what you do being a CFO at an organization. You know, thinking back on your career, is there anything that you wish you knew earlier? Um, not if I knew earlier, but if I, I wish I invested in myself uh, earlier, you know, it could have. Uh, the return could have been much higher if, if you think of it think of it now uh, so that's the only uh, area but it's never too late and mm -hmm. uh, i guess it's good that i realized it a few years ago um, at least it's it's really helping me in terms of developing my skills and expertise in, in a number of different areas now got it well we all realize eventually hopefully uh, sooner than later but that, that's kind of what makes the life uh, so that's really interesting there um, you know you also live by this quote we can't realize our dreams in life without helping others accomplish their dreams. What does that mean to you? It means everything. And uh, this particularly came into mind uh, during, uh, during the difficult times of my life, uh, when I lost my grandmother, my mother, and a number of different uh, things that happened during that two to three years, uh, particularly during that COVID period. Life was kind of like hell, but uh, you know, then you realize the value of uh, things when you tend to lose someone as close as your mother, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it makes you think a lot uh, why are we living and how, how we can make uh, others' lives easier and how we can help, uh, you know, the community at large. And be a good human being, uh, be someone of uh, assistance. 
and do orbit basically as a human being so uh, that that's the time when i really realized uh, that and uh, that's when i thought you know let me do whatever i can to help uh, anyone out there god that's beautiful and i love to hear that you know i hope we can all try to you know value the things that we have them and it's really unfortunate, but we do only realize the value of things. Even, you know, I hate to compare to something superficial, but even a phone, you know, you take it for granted and then one day you lose it. You're like, wow, my world is uh, just crashing. But, you know, I'm sure it's a million times more prevalent, definitely when losing a loved one. So, you know, on a, on a side note, we should all definitely value the time we have uh, with those people we love. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, back to a, a bit of a parting note, you know, you're an author and you've read a ton of books. I have to ask, besides your favorite book, what's your favorite finance book? Favorite finance book uh, is my book, but, but in terms of uh, favorite finance book, there is one by Dale Carnegie. Uh, I forget the name, but, but that's that's my favorite. I uh, forget the exact name. I think it's Financial Shenanigans. Uh, yeah, something. Interesting. I'm sure people uh, will be able to search Dale Carnegie and find that. So an interesting book recommendation there. Um, you know, interestingly enough, too. You mentioned a lot of things, a lot of things that you've done and, you know, would love to know just in your life, what makes you happy? What makes me happy is, uh, you know, uh, if I put in the effort uh, to achieve something and do my best, that's, that's what makes me happy. It's not the result. It's the process the end of the day that really matters to me. Got it. You know, I've, I've put in a decent effort and I know I've done my best. I really don't bother about the result. Uh, I just leave, leave that uh, to be secondary. You know, it's interesting. It's people, you know, get married to the, the result and try to just kind of get through the process quick as they can. And it's interesting. I've seen quite a few entrepreneurs in the sense that once they hit a certain goal, once say they hit like a million dollars in revenue or a million dollars in recurring revenue, or, you know, they, they sold their company for, you know, an obscene multiple, we'll just put it that way. Uh, and, you know, it's like the second of happiness. And then later they're like, oh, well, you know, what's my purpose now? What am I supposed to do? And only then they realize that they should have been more in love with the process. And, you know, the result is great, but it's it's uh, it's not, you know, not all it's made out to be. But what's interesting about that, it seems like people only realize that when they get to the result. So it's kind of a metaphor of like, you know, you don't value something until you don't have it. And then once you really don't have it, you're like, oh. This is uh, this is interesting. So it's interesting for sure how how life works out, and I uh, can definitely resonate with you on there. And something I don't do perfectly uh, perfectly either. You know, some days I'm like I, I wish more people listened to this, or some days I wish uh, you know I had better equipment or this or that. But I think you know it's all one episode at a time and just trying to improve little by little. So uh, I definitely resonate with you on there. But you know, on a parting note, Shahan, you know you've done a lot of cool stuff financial wizard, you know, you're in charge of the finance of a really big organization and get to see, oversee a lot of cool stuff. Uh, but when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? I just want to keep learning and improving myself as a person and as a professional and uh, to be able to help a lot of uh, people out there in terms of accountants and finance professionals who are just starting off their career. So things along those lines is what I'm thinking of. Uh, so whether it's courses, whether it's probably a conference, whether it's a summit, whether it's coaching, these are the areas that I'm thinking of uh, on the basis of just having published my uh, few books recently. So uh, the book is just the start and hopefully I'll be able to build uh, on that uh, going into the future and be able to help a lot more people. 
Awesome. More to come. Well, Shahan, you're, you're an awesome dude and it's incredible what you've been able to accomplish. And I wish you the best, my man, and appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. And, and for all readers out there, I'd like to invite them to visit my website to be able to uh, download a free uh, ebook. So, monmasterhq.com is my website, uh, M O N E Y M A S T E R H Q.com. And once you log in, uh, once you go into the website, right on the top, uh, top right hand corner, you'll see get your free ebook. Once you click on that, you'll be able to just enter your email address and download it. And the book's title is The Art of Measuring Success in Small Businesses, The Seven Essential KPIs Your Business is Ignoring. So for particularly for business owners, uh, this could be a very interesting book uh, and, and a useful resource. And, for sure. Well, well, I'll include the, the link in the description so people will be able to access that easily. Sure. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Shahan. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Shihan Sheriff. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the show on Spotify, drop a comment on YouTube, and subscribe.